Welcome, everyone, to another fantastic episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. See, that was the intro. That sounds right. John, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This is actually the intro. It's not the actual interview. We've uh, successfully transitioned into the intro being the actual intro. That's nice. Fun I like fact. it. Fun fact. If you guys didn't know that, I don't think anyone really cares. But, John, who do we have on the podcast today? We have Jim. And what was the last name? Trick. Trick. That's right. Jim Trick. Uh, he has a really good podcast. Uh, you're going to hear all about it when you listen to ours. I highly recommend you go listen to his as well. Yeah, Jim Trick. He is the runner. Uh, well, I guess runner's kind of weird to say. But, but he runs the My White Belt Instagram page, My White Belt Podcast, MyWhiteBelt.com. Uh, he is a former big guy turned purple belt. And then, yeah, he's just a, he's a little bit of an older gentleman. So his, his perspective on jujitsu is really good. And he was just, it honestly, it was a, probably the most organic conversation we've had in the podcast in a long time. Uh, I don't even think we really asked. It was such an organic conversation. You guys will hear. We were asking questions back and forth. You know what I mean? Like it was, it wasn't just us asking questions. Jim's were asking questions too, which was really nice as well. So he's a very good speaker. Yeah, yeah. Turn, come to find out, he's a motivational speaker for his full time job and business, or and like a life coach. So if you guys are interested in that, hit him up. Maybe he can help you out. So, but other than that, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, John, what was your what was your beverage of the day? I had a uh, I don't. I don't know how to say that. Loginas IPA? Loganitas. Yeah, what he said. IPA. <laughs> it was fantastic. What'd you have? I had bro, don't even don't even get it, get me started. I had the delicious Truly's lemonade hard seltzer. I can't, I can't believe you put yourself on camera drinking that. Why you why are you hating? These Horrible. things are delicious. Horrible. No. If you guys haven't tried the Truly's, they're in the black can if you're not watching. They're the black can Truly's. Literally the best hard seltzer. Uh, it doesn't taste like a white claw, like John always talks about. I'm not getting white girl wasted here, but these only have 100 calories, so they're pr- they're pretty freaking nice. And they get you drunk, if that's something you're concerned about. Not me so much. Well, so. this one only has 5 calories, so if you guys can see that. Whatever. Really Are you sure that's not 5% I re- alcohol? I really don't know if it has 5 or not. I made that up. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much for listening at home. Hopefully you enjoy. Don't forget to follow us everywhere, Elbows Tight Pod everywhere, um, Elbows Tight Podcast and Elbows Tight uh and then i think that's pretty much it that's it everything will be down in the description below if you want to follow jim thanks guys so much for listening and watching catch you later peace support for elbows tight is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle the performance package join over 4 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ETP 20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. That's a lot of balls, Johnny. When Manscaped reached out to work with us, I instantly thought, yes, what a deal. I've been using Manscaped products for a while now, and when they mentioned helping out with the podcast, I I thought it was a no-brainer. I have the Lawnmower 4.0 now, but I had the Lawnmower 3.0 and absolutely loved it. Also, most people think about Manscaped as just trimmers, but really they have ball deodorant, ball toner, the weed whacker, which is your favorite thing, right, John? Yeah, I love the weed whacker. Look, I'm about to hit like 45 years old, so I got hair growing out of everywhere now. So it's coming out my ears. I'm like, man, where is that weed whacker? It's definitely my favorite. (laughs) 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ETP20 at Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code ETP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools to get the job done with Manscaped. watching the countdown and you're like oh don't say anything don't say- <laughs> jim how's it going today man how you doing good 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 we're not actually recording this today are we like this we're doing yeah, this yeah. Like next week oh wait we're actually doing this now yeah like right 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 now oh yeah this is yeah. awful do you want me to restart i can restart no i'm totally kidding i'm <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, I could just talk for a while. We do this. I thought we were doing this next week. I thought we were just getting to know. I thought we were just. I thought I was calling for my trial class. I didn't know we were actually going to roll. Oh my gosh, I would have. This is literally just us getting to know each other. That way, when we actually record the podcast next week, it's it's even it's even better for. Oh, now I feel better. Good now. Now for the time that we spend, I'll share openly, knowing that no one's going to actually hear this. No one's no one's going to hear this. Perfect, perfect. John. How you doing today, man? I'm glad it's Friday. Uh, The work week is over. So that's always a good thing. It is. It is always a good thing. I'm still on baby leave, so I'm jealous. I mean, I'll trade you spots. You can come over with the kids. <laughs> Thanks it's, for it's, sending me the pictures of your abdomen. I'm amazed at how your stretch marks are healing this quickly. You have hey, done really well. You know what? I, it's a lot of Kegels. So yeah, it's like. <laughs> yeah. You're a beautiful woman. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you. So, hey, uh, if you guys haven't guessed, if you're listening or watching this, Jim Trick is our guest today. Jim. Go ahead and let's go into who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself if, if for those who don't know the magnificent gym that is you. I'm a guy who hangs out online and then does chat rooms with fellows who do jujitsu. That's the, that's, the <laughs> that's the ABCs of me. I, uh, I, I run a platform called My White Belt, which is about encouraging people who are terrified about trying jujitsu, encouraging them to to try it and for people who are in their first year and are really ready to give up trying to get them to stay. So uh, because jujitsu has had a profound impact on my life. And I think that's how you, that's how we, that's how the three of us know each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's been going, you know, it's funny. I started, I started the, the Instagram account, the at my white belt Instagram account, probably like three years ago. And it, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a white belt at the time, and I was just documenting my thoughts and experience with jujitsu. And then a few months ago, I had two things happen. One is I ran into John Danaher in a restaurant, and I'm happy to talk about that as much or as little as you're curious. And then a couple of days later, I posted a, a picture of a 73-year-old guy from our academy getting his blue belt. And those posts just blew up. They went crazy. And what I realized was for everything that we have in the social media realm for BJJ, we really didn't have anybody speaking directly into the hearts and minds of scared people and new people. And so that's just where I have, where I have found my, my rhythm and it's crazy. I love it. And I'm as shocked as anybody that it seems to be turning into something that means something. 
It's funny you mentioned that because John and I felt the same way when we started jujitsu. We started this podcast actually three years ago today. Today is our uh, three-year anniversary of doing this podcast. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. <laughs> Cheers to that, right? <laughs> and uh, the reason we started is because of the, the same thing. Um, we didn't feel like there was really any representation out there of someone going through the trenches of the daily struggles as a brand new person, understanding what's going on. Is this normal to feel this way? Why can't I get out of neon belly? You know what I mean? Like we couldn't feel, we couldn't, we, we couldn't find these things out there. And so John and I were like, bro, we should just start a podcast. And you know, our first, what, 15 episodes are really just us interviewing all of our friends that were white belts with <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. we're all just a bunch of white belts talking about being white belts. And uh, slowly from there, we started like reaching out to more people that have a little bit more experience because we realize like there's still value in people, uh, even though they're black belts and they're kind of out of not out of touch, but you know they're far removed from being a white belt in those struggles. They have their own struggles, but it's there's a lot of value there too. Talking to them about like, hey, is this normal? Like, did you feel this way? You know, kind of isn't getting it that, incredible that how consistent it is the things that people feel and experience just across yes. the board. And because jujitsu is growing at such an incredible clip, you have fresh new people every day who are asking the same questions. Yep. And I don't, I, I don't know, for some reason, I think it's because, and you probably, my guess is that you feel the same is that because our experience with jujitsu has been so profound, I don't have any problem answering the same questions over and over again. And I feel like my answers get better. The more times I get to answer. Them. Right. Agreed. More polished. I yeah. think so. Yeah. And John and I were talking about that too. And when we, for a while we were, uh, kind of felt like we were running out of questions to ask people because we didn't want to keep it fresh for our listeners. Yeah. But then we kind of realized like, well, everyone is going to have a different take on this question. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's going to have a different perspective on, you know, what was your struggles as a white belt? Like, how did you start training? Like, you know, things like that. So I, once again, going back to, you know, interviewing black belt stuff like that, and there still is a lot of value in, they have so much experience, you know what I mean? And one of our interviews with James O'Connor, he talked about how, you know, just because he's a black belt, a third degree black belt, he's been doing it for 20 years, doesn't mean he wakes up every morning and wants to train. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, like the guy's been doing it for, you know, almost as long as I've been alive. And he's been doing martial arts for 30 years and he still wakes up and he's like, I don't really want to go today. <laughs> it, it, in my in my attempt to be super encouraging, I'm not sure that I'm always super honest. I think I'm honest about important things, but yeah, to be able to say like we love it, and there are some days that I just woke up, I wake up busted up, and I yeah. just don't. Like, I took Tuesday morning off. I try to train six days a week right now, which is a little probably a little dumb for somebody my age, but yeah, I I think that two things are true. A, I love talking to black belts who still seem to have some kind of a connection to their early days. And there are some days where I've just have had enough of all, yeah. of all, of all of it. Just mostly because of physical, the toll that it takes, because I'm not as young as you gentlemen. When I, I listened to your, one of your podcasts this morning and you said that on there six times a week, I was like, six times a week? I'm struggling to do two right now. Yeah. Or yeah. three is like phenomenal. And so what's, like, your, what's your academy like? Are you guys like a really like a competition school? Like do you have a lot of guys that are, are going and 
Uh, we do have a core group that seems to go compete, but uh, we've had a lot of turnover at our school, so I wouldn't say we're we're definitely not like a competitive. Yeah, and we're still really small. Like we only offer classes like advanced. We just recently added two, three classes uh, of beginners two two days or two nights a week beginners, and then a Saturday nogi. But for years, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. One time a day oh, for one okay. class. You know remind I mean? me like of your ranks. Where are you guys at? What level are you guys Blue at? belts. Yeah, we're both okay. blue belts. Yeah. So, yeah so. so we train, we have class Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. And for that group, they say first jujitsu, then the world. And then we have Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m. And so I train, I train every morning except occasionally I just have to take a morning off if I just haven't had a good night's sleep or I just know I'm pushing it. And then I teach our beginner program Monday, Tuesday nights. And then there are some open mats. And so there's a lot of jujitsu and I have, I've really just had to create a cycle where I'll show up, I'll warm up, I'll drill. And then there are some days that I will just look at whoever I'm rolling with and just go, I'm happy to be your grappling dummy today. I just don't have any interest in, I don't have any interest in like, I don't have anything to prove. So I train six days a week and I try to train in a way that is sustainable because I want to be able to keep, keep doing it. And I'm single, and I don't have kids, so it's like, what am I, what am I doing? You know I, mean, that, I mean, that is fantastic. Well, you know, that's something I take into account now when people ask me about um, trying out jiu-jitsu. Like, things I didn't know when I started were how important a schedule is yeah. and what classes are offered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, typically at our place, it really is only two days a week where they offer class. You know, you can go on a weekend, so you could make it three. And, you know, now that I know, I was like, man, I, you know, I wish we had seven days a week because yeah. then I could get in more. And, you know, if you're like us and you got to get up at four in the morning and go to work, making that 630 class at night, I mean, you're already exhausted. Oh, So, yeah, you know, yeah. you just got to take that stuff in. And, and really, that's the only time we have for adult yeah. classes, 6 p.m. When we were on pandemic shutdown, we had to train in pods and I got stuck in pod two. And there like, really <laughs> wasn't there really weren't many people who were training in pod two. And it meant and it meant training at night, which I didn't like at all. Yeah. And I went to my coach and I said, hey, man, I, I didn't say, hey, man, I said, hey, I really don't. Uh, I, Listen, bro. Hey, hey, broski. Uh, I, I told him that I didn't really like training at night because I had a hard time getting to sleep. And I don't want to mischaracterize him like this isn't really how he is most of the time. But he basically was like, I can't believe you said that to me. He goes, you are now only allowed to train at night because this is a martial art and you don't go to your coach and say, I don't want to train at night because I'm going to be too (laughs) sleepy or I'm not going to be able to do it. So I think it's the, the lesson for me and all of it has just been to like really manage how you're going to, how I'm going to show up in class because there's just no way. Can I say balls out on this podcast? There's no way that I can go balls out six days a week. I, I will have, I will often go like, I'll go one week where I go really hard a lot, but most of the time it's like maybe one or two hard rolls and then kind of just go flowy and try to do it in a way that allows me to keep, keep going. 
Well, let's 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 uh, digress a little bit and kind of go into how you got into jujitsu because you have a very interesting story. Also, we just interviewed uh, um, Philip. What's his last name? A way to make me try. Oh, to remember man, that I forgot. But Jitsu Phil, you featured him on your page for mm-hmm. uh, used to be a big guy and now he's a purple belt. Also, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so or Ben Phelps, that's his name. Sorry. Um, so. What got you into jiu-jitsu? What's, tell us a little bit of a story about how you got into jiu-jitsu. So the things that I love as an adult are all the things that I loved as a kid. I loved guitars. I was obsessed with, I was obsessed with guitars. Uh, I loved fishing, I was, you know, and I'm an avid fly fisherman. And I loved karate. Like, in our town, there was a store called the Striking Fist Martial Arts Supplies. And... After guitar lessons, my parents would drop me off at this little store that sold geese and padded nunchucks and size and ninja books and Tiger Balm. And we're talking like the 70s, you know, and this guy Dennis was there and I would like he'd be like, oh, OK, you can hang out if you want. It's a store. You can hang out here. And I would literally just go and hang out at the striking fist. And I had a ninja poster. And before my parents could afford to get me karate lessons, they bought me a geese. And so I just grew up loving martial arts and every, every password, every online password that I have has some kind of martial arts based word in it. It's I love a keto at four, (laughs) nine, two, eight. And so I, I, so I, I loved this. I loved karate. And I think part of it was I was, I, and I, just so you guys know, right out of the gate, I can talk like nobody's business. So at any point in time, if you want to yep, hit pause on me and get a word in edgewise, just like, you know, I don't know. Don't worry. We'll, 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 we'll do the Oscars and be like, all right, let's yeah, go ahead and wrap that answer up. That's, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Now, like 10 seconds into every answer, I'm going to get that. <laughs> okay, that was great with Jim so-and-so from such and such. Get the hell out of here. Um, I was bullied really, really badly in, in middle school. And I think I had it in my mind that loving karate was enough to protect me from getting my ass beat. Oh, it wasn't, but... So I just had this like fantasy around karate. And then finally I was able to get some karate lessons and I did Kempo. I did Kempo for years and sort of while I was dealing with getting bullied and my dad got sick at a young age and I developed an eating disorder that I like to say like a bag of chips will never let you down. And I, my way of dealing with my troubled childhood was to eat a lot of food. And I eventually became morbidly obese. I was 430 pounds at my all time heaviest. At one point in time in my early thirties, I tried to revisit karate, American Kempo karate with all of the eights and kiais and katas and so on and so forth. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I actually had to have a gi custom made. Wow. So yeah, I couldn't even find a gi that would fit me. So, you know, there's a whole long story about the weight loss. And, and in my non-jujitsu life, I work as a motivational speaker and I have a coaching practice where I help people sort of find out what they want to do and who they want to be. And we work to, to get them to that place. But as it relates to jujitsu, 
around, I guess, maybe 10 years ago or so, the guy who is my professor now, his name is Liam McGowan, nine or 10 years ago, he was a brown belt. And he invited me to, he invited Chubby me to a class at his jujitsu school that he attended and taught some beginner classes at. He said, oh, you've done karate your whole life. You're going to love this. It's going to be great. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I went and I did this class and I was like, what, what the hell <laughs> is this? What is this? This guy, this, the entire class was a student black belt. I described it as this. He was sitting on my chest for an hour and a half. And basically, he was going from mount to S mount to a basic arm bar. But I had no, I didn't know anything, and I hadn't experienced anything. And in that moment, I realized that all of the theoretical martial arts that I had done as a kid <laughs> and a little bit as a young adult, I might as well have been doing dancing lessons. <laughs> and I'm not here to offend any of your listeners that are really into Kempo Karate, but after taking one jujitsu class nine years ago, I realized that if I was going to ever train martial arts again, first of all, it was going to require a really solid commitment. And number two, it was going to be Brazilian jujitsu. So over the course of that nine years, I went through a, like an epiphany and transformed my body and the way that I thought about life and saw myself lost a bunch of weight. All the while, Liam was, you know, working towards his black belt and dreaming about opening a school. And he was my friend and we would get coffee. And every once in a while, I'd say, yeah, I'd love to open a school. And then eventually, a little over four years ago, he said, hey, I'm opening a school. It's going to be called First Colony. And we're having an open house. And I was like, I will be there. And I went to the open house and I signed up. And my first six months were frigging hell. <laughs> awful awful i was for a million reasons but i stuck with it and i have to tell you that for a guy who used to weigh 430 pounds to be able to say that i've stuck it through i've I just earned my purple belt recently i trained six days a week i teach beginners it's changed my life and that's a lot of me talking so <laughs> that's that's kind of like the the abc's of how I got to this. And and I just want to like, I just, in the name of full disclosure, I am not great at jujitsu. <laughs> I'm not great. I'm mediocre at best. I have some things that I'm good at, but um, even though I'm not going to win Naga or Worlds, I just love it. I just love it so much. Starting that um, new school, was it a like, a lot of new practitioners or did you guys have a lot of like colored belts just opening it up right away? Yeah. So there were a bunch of purple belts and a bunch of purple belts and blue belts and no quote unquote beginner program. Mm. So the white belts that were there and it was, you know, pretty small school at first, maybe eight or 10 guys, the, the initial, and none of them were jerks, but they were there to train and, you know, our mindset is people roll right out of the gate. Now that we're a bigger school, people still roll right out of the gate, but it's after they've learned to break, fall, shrimp, bridge, and uh, and they will situational roll from close guard. 
but we want them that, to have the experience of, of, of rolling right, right from the beginning. Do you guys do that? Or do you make, I was going to say that's very close to how we started yeah. like hmm. real close. I mean, we started rolling right out the gate. It was all, but we were all brand new white belts, except for we had one guy that had a stripe on his white belt. So he yeah. was basically God. And Cody, <laughs> Cody, our gym owner. Yeah. Right. Cody, our gym owner just had got his purple belt too. Like, and then, uh, the guy he we were under the first guy we were under was like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll be, you'll be under me. Enjoy your school. And we never saw him again. Then we switched uh, black belts that we were under. But uh, we've gone through three different black belts in our school. Our school is under. And Cody's finally a brown belt. But uh, it's it's been a crazy journey for us because we've been doing jujitsu as long as the school has been open. How like, long is that? Oh, it's got to be four years. Yeah, four years. I think now. this is the yeah. fourth year. So um, it's it's been a it's been a crazy journey, and it, it's it's funny you mentioned all that stuff about your first six months being hell because, man, even though Cody was a purple belt, he he could have easily have been you know a, a coral belt to me. Like yeah, now, uh, totally, it was it was crazy to roll with him, and I was like, I'm dying. I w- I'm I'm d- just gonna die. Like uh-huh. not only like physically, but like I'm like exhausted, you know, and I was in great shape and it's like, people were worried like, oh, I'm not in good enough shape for jujitsu. Like, I just want to let you know, it doesn't matter how good of shape you're in, what stage of life you are. The first six months of jujitsu sucks. It is yeah. hard. Do you have it CrossFit really, guys really come in? Hard. Do you ever have a CrossFit guy come in and train? I was a CrossFit yeah, coach. Yeah, we were both CrossFit in there. <laughs> oh, isn't that <laughs> funny? Wait, we have Dude. CrossFit guys who come in and they're ripped and you just look Does at them. Does not matter. They, they, it doesn't matter. They come in in 15 minutes into class. They are like literally gasping and sweating. It's a different, it's a different thing. And the same, like when I look at, obviously like I have just like so much love for, for Liam and respect. And he's a, he's my dear friend, but we have another guy who, when we started, he was a purple belt and um, had just got his, got his brown belt right after we started and he's about to get his black belt real soon Heck yeah and i'm just like thinking to myself this is a guy who like you said might as well be a coral belt i just admire him i look up to him i've tried to model myself after him and we've had the same problem regarding changing lineage I don't want to say anything about our old lineage, but we are now in the process of affiliating with Brazilian top team. And it's to be able to see my coach get to train under elite black belts. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's such a huge thing. Cause I know it's going to make everybody better. And it's mm-hmm. Man, also kind it's of so weird. funny. You mentioned, it's funny you mentioned that because John and I talked about that too. Like, no, no offense to any black belt we ever rolled with, but there's obviously different levels of black belts. Like, if people that do it for a living are going to obviously be a higher skill level than you know if John and I were black belts. You know what I mean? And the first time we rolled with like a no, no BS, like, like this dude's competed a long time in jujitsu, and like yeah. Nathan Orchard, yeah, was uh, amazing from Tenth Planet, dude. It was literally like. Every 10 seconds, I was tapping to something. I didn't even know what I was tapping to. Like, it was just incredible to feel the amount of skill someone has at that level. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I just did a private with um, Professor Daniel, who runs Brazilian Top Team for three Boston academies. And he's a four stripe black belt who is, I mean, 
at the end of our private, he said, do you want to roll? And I said, sure, I'll, sure, I want to roll. And of course, <laughs> I'm like doing like a respectful role where I'm not like going in and like, I have nothing to prove. I'm certainly not trying to hammer a force type black belt. I kind of want to see it more as like a, an exchange of questions and answers. But just watching, watching and feeling that guy move and knowing that no matter what I do, I, there's no world in which I'm going to get close to doing anything. And so it's almost like riding a ride at Disneyland. It's like, whoa, what just happened? You know? You didn't yeah. try to sneak a wrist lock in there? No, just yeah, the that, that just, would be just, a great idea. <laughs> do you guys train wrist locks? No. John and I do wrist locks. We, watch. Would, we don't tra- I mean, he shows them. He'll show them. Like, uh, our professor will show them, like, you know. I here love goes, them. So. Here goes an arm bar or, like, an omoplata. If you can't lock it in, like, there's a wrist lock. You, you know love I mean? them? So. I do. Oh, we both I love find it, it yeah. to be a great equalizer when I'm going up against somebody that's 20 years old and six foot two. I do with my kids. I don't even care. 200 pounds. Like if, <laughs> as long as I hit it once, then they all of a sudden they slow down. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you don't like wrist locks? You know, we're we're training them, and I, I get that they're part of jujitsu. And sure, I'll I'll do some wrist locks. But to me, it's like I file that under. You know, somebody who you're, they, you're in their clothes guard or they, they're in your clothes guard and they're digging their elbows into your thighs. thighs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew that's where he was going. Yeah, it's, like, it's like I'm a fly fisherman. If I was really that concerned with catching a fish, I would probably get a worm and a bobber. But I like the beauty and the process of this other thing. And wrist locks are legal and they're part of jujitsu and it's a thing and I do them. But because I'm a guitarist, I, I, I just... Oh, I, I bet. Know. This is an awful thing to say that I do this, but I will, depending on who I'm rolling with, I'll be like, hey, do me a favor. Don't grapevine me and don't wrist lock me. Yeah. And if there's anything that you want, and I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to heel hook you. I'm not going to try to toll right. you. Like these things are there, but the hierarchy of the hierarchy of submissions, I want to be able to keep training. So I think, I guess where I land on wrist locks is sure. I have to know, I have to know how to defend wrist locks and I want to be able to apply wrist locks. And I don't think that they're ever going to be like core to my game, right? Yeah, we we definitely John and I joke about enjoying wrist locks so much, but I mean we honestly do, right? They're they're a lot of fun, but um, you know John Danny here talked about wrist locks, and he's like, you know, they're they're a great move, uh, you know, real submission. But the problem he has with them is there's no there's no setup to them. There's no you know like in order to do a scissor sweep, you are in closed guard. You know what I mean? Like a wrist lock right. is just like a secondary uh, submission from an already like submission kind of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of like we just mentioned, like the omoplata. You could do a wrist lock from an omoplata, but you're going for the omoplata. You could do it from, you know, an Americana, but you're doing the Americana. There's like yeah, no, totally. there's no preface for a wrist lock. It's kind of like a subsidiary move to something you were already trying. Yeah, well said. I think it's true. And I think that... You know, and we literally like our Saturday morning class with our coach Frizz uh, was a wrist lock class. He basically spent mm-hmm. a big chunk of the class teaching wrist locks. And so I- I'm all about it. I'm just not psyched about it. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to play that guitar hanging on the wall behind <laughs> me. I make part of my living doing that. So it's just like, I don't know. Do you find that there's like this balance between wanting to like really make sure that you're 
engaging the full spectrum of training and also like certain things that do you say no to anything? Do you tell anybody not to do anything? Do you guys heal? Yeah, hook? no oil checks. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want to finger my ass. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think our school pay you have to pay extra for. for <laughs> no, I, I think I think you're right. Um, as far as wrist locks go, you do have to be careful with those. Yeah. If you try to hit those all the time, I think it hurts your game because you're not trying anything else, and they're easier to get. Yeah, they're super um, easy to get. Yeah. Not only that, but like a person, if if a person doesn't know how to defend a wrist lock, it's kind of like a heel hook. They can hurt themselves really fast. You know what I mean? Like you jerk the wrong way, and like a wrist lock that's locked in there, and you're you're gonna break your own wrist. You know what I mean? So do you guys train gi and no gi? Mostly gi. And do you um, have a ha- leg program? Do you do do you train leg locks, ashigarami? Mm, not really. No, I think fifty okay. fifty was the last thing I remember going over. With, yeah, that dealt with anything like that. Backside fifty fifty or frontside fifty fifty. I think it was front front side. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. And and uh, I think when Nathan did a seminar at the class, we was did. that a skateboard joke? By the way, no, actually, no. The backside. I guess backside. <laughs> I was like backside. Is a, I was like a half pipe trick, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a, my nerdiness came out for skateboarding. I was like, is this a joke? We, we talked about skateboarding beforehand, but go ahead. Yeah, Sorry, no, backside fifty fifty is something that we're actually working on. So we have we train nogi two days a week, and Thursday is leg day where we're doing like advanced ashigarami and like different. You know, heel hooks and toe holds a little bit, and obviously straight ankle locks for everybody. And, uh, you know, any of that, I guess, I guess the, the moral of that story is you've really got to be a good communicator with your training partner. If you're going to use any of those more dangerous submissions, you've got to make eye contact. You've got to put them on slow because if you get, because if you get wrist locked bad, you're going to feel that for weeks. And if you get, if you get heel hooked, you could be done. I mean, yeah, that, that is the potential to do permanent damage. And so you got to train them, got to know them. It's part of the game. But man, oh, man, you got to be careful, which is why spazzy white belts need to relax, you know? Yeah. It's it's funny you mentioned that it's part of the game because John and I talk about this quite a bit. And it's basically your your first six months of white belts first year of white belts is basically you learning how to defend yourself against someone that's not trained in jujitsu right mm. after that it's training jujitsu against jujitsu yeah you know what yeah I mean? it's interesting isn't it do you ever yeah. feel like a brand new untrained white belt comes in and gives you a hard time uh-huh. all the time yeah. yeah yeah especially if they're big and strong like yeah. well because you got to think sometimes that's that's such a um niche training partner i would say because not everyone that comes in is a brand new never done this before right and even after the first class they're no longer brand new you know right. now they 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 do have a little bit of experience so it's going to be a different role even after one time well, you know so, what i mean totally yeah or the kid so, who's never trained jiu-jitsu but wrestled in high school oh i don't even deal with those oh. I, I could tell i'm my, like that my guy night, was a my nightmare Man, we watched John. I haven't think we haven't told the story in a long time. When we we uh. work for the government, and so we get to travel a lot to bases around the world. Oh, cool! And so we went to Japan for uh. I think it was like three months. What branch we of out, the service? We we were both of us were Navy, but we're we work for the Department of the Navy right now. Were you at Yokosuka? Yep. Yeah, we're in Yokosuka. Yep. yep. And uh, uh. so on base, they had some jujitsu. And for free, and it turned out to be some of the best jujitsu we've ever learned. Yeah. It was under Black Label Jiu-Jitsu. But 
So, John, there's this probably 18, 19 year old kid that's just yoked out of his mind that shows up and looks at John. And this was what, three years ago? And he's like, he's like, you want to roll? And John's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And I literally watched John get mauled by a bear for five minutes. It was, oh it was gosh. rough five minutes. John, John looked at me and he was like, he's like, uh, why don't I mean he's like looking at me like tag I'm gonna tag you in like why don't you help me get this guy off me man it was it was funny because he was a he'd come to find out he was a wrestler yeah you know I mean? he was young he was strong and he had a lot of energy but I mean we went the whole five minutes there yeah. was there was no submission and he but. kept getting frustrated because John was defending everything he was trying to do and so yeah. he would just try harder and harder to yeah. get something. Sometimes that's the greatest win is just not getting subbed, just keeping <laughs> keeping them at bay, the young bucks. So um, do you release the podcast as video or just as audio? Both. Both. Okay, so I'm just going to hold this up. Um, this is my dad in the late 50s when he was stationed at Yokosuka training judo at Kodokan. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was... Um, he did a thing called explosive ordnance disposal, which you guys probably oh yeah about, yeah yep. know what that is about. yeah. So yeah, my dad was EOD, twenty two years stationed in Yokosuka, and I have like the I have the family photo album of their time there, and I'm fascinated by one day I'm going to go back and just like re- retrace their steps. So I'll tell you yeah. what, man, if there's one place that you should visit, it is Japan. I absolutely I've been to Japan three times, twice in the Navy, and then once as a civilian. And uh, it's, man, I freaking love that place. The food is amazing. The yeah. culture is amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, and then there's all all kinds of things you can do when you're out there. So I, if you get a chance to go, I, w- I also went to uh, the Tokyo Disneyland when I was in the Navy. No there. way. That that's really cool. Fun. Yeah. I went into like an ice bar, like one of those like sub-zero ice bars where it's like ice is the bar and then yeah. you, know, you sit on ice cubes. It was a whole lot of fun. Well, I was thinking he reminds me of Larry. There's if Larry's still a purple belt out there in Yakuska. Oh yeah, he uh, loves the guitar, plays in a band. Oh, is that right? Go Larry, uh, Ro- Rolling yeah. Bones, Rolling Bones. He makes Rolling Bones geese. Yeah, oh, I like that. That's a great stuff. name. Yep. Yeah, and he was he was the type of guy that would wrist lock you. Like he was, <laughs> he, I think he was in his fifties, and he would like literally, late fifties, late fifties, yeah, late fifties, yep. like skinny short guy, and you would have to. You know, instead of protect your neck, you had to protect your wrist because he would he would lock him in. I think it was Larry Kreiner. Yeah, super funny guy. Super. Did cool you guys guy, trade so. martial arts before you did jujitsu, or is jujitsu the first for you? Jujitsu is the first for me. I mean, I did it a little bit when I was thirteen, and it yeah. was taekwondo. Yeah, I did. I did a a semester of wrestling my freshman year of high school. That's that's about it. So a little bit of boxing in the navy that wasn't regulated. <laughs> was that at a bar on a Saturday night? No, it was it was on it was the on ship. Board. It was on board. <laughs> All right, okay. And did they have a brig on that ship? They did, but I was not in it. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, what is it? What is it about this thing? What is it about jujitsu? Can you? What are we? I'm doing still trying here? to figure it out, man. Like it's 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 so crazy that. One or two things happen within your first couple classes. Uh, either you realize that you have no idea how to fight and you want to do it because, one, you want to learn how to defend yourself. Two, you realize you have no idea how to fight and you try to stay away from it as long as possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, and I've seen people in both scenarios. And I feel like more people just come out with, like you mentioned, it's amazing. Like, how do I do this? This person just kicked my butt. And I think it's the humbling 
on day one that makes you realize like there's something here you know yeah. in my opinion i feel like there's i feel like there's something there within that first class those first two or three classes that you're like man i just keep getting my butt kicked and i just don't know how to stop it you know and there's yeah. always that guessing game there's always that that building on tomorrow there's always that that new experience every, i mean we've all been doing it for a couple of years now and yeah. every class is something different you know yeah, what I mean? you can just, do the same technique 3 4 weeks in a row and still learn every single class every time you do it so 100% it's just the weirdest it's the weirdest thing it just in terms of like in a world where there's a handful of phonies floating around out there yeah. and there's a lot we've of seen a few posing <laughs> and and I was going to say it's the truth of it it's the truth of it isn't it it is. It's the truth of it. That's why I like it. There ain't no fakeness. There ain't no hiding. You get to see the real person, and that's that's what there is. Yeah. yeah. Someone could walk in looking like a Billy Badass, and they get on the mat for two minutes, and you know they're squirming and screaming. It's forced humility. It's forced yeah. honesty. And the and the person who doesn't last, or the person who might last but they're not respected, is the person who makes excuses and poses and postures and and tries to do this weird dance but if if you're if you're looking for if you're looking for undeniable perpetual honesty get on a jujitsu mat it's it's mind-boggling to me you mentioned that you know the the people making excuses have you ever ran into one of those people right where uh, whether they're younger than you higher belt than you or something right after rolling with them you they've kind of been confrontational with you afterwards like have you ever had that happen where they're like oh yeah well i mean i wasn't trying really hard it's like it's like okay you can you can make the excuse of i wasn't trying really hard. oh yeah well i mean i've never done this before you you have years of experience on me it's like look we are all there i probably have not only experienced that but i'm sure i've done a lot of that like i definitely <laughs> went through the phase i definitely went through the phase when i was a four stripe white belt and probably half of my blue belt where right before i was gonna get tapped by someone that i didn't want to get tapped by i'd be like move your thumb a little bit let's just hit pause ah. <laughs> you know? and like, just it's it turns into a teaching role just before i'm gonna get my ass kicked you know yeah and i i try to not i, I don't do that anymore but yeah, I've definitely can smell that from a mile away, and I definitely have done most of that. If I'm look, there's a very high probability that guys from my academy and girls from my academy will listen to your podcast. And if I were to deny that I didn't <laughs> fall into that category, there are two things that I have to own. I've been through every phase of being the obnoxious person on the mat. And I'm definitely the person that, you know, people have had to say, could you please go get a frigging breath mint? Oh, oh man. Yeah, I've definitely been that guy. So I definitely have plenty of Listerine strips and gum and breath spray in my bag. So that hopefully well, you, won't happen again. Smelly either. breath isn't as bad as smelly balls, right, John? That's true. So let's, balls, let's go... My balls are clean. <laughs> well, that, that's good because le let me tell you, a sweaty sack summer is approaching and time to prioritize your comfort on your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of <laughs> testing these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it lets... It's like the gills for your groin. They even trade the jewel as your pouch. balls. 
No, I mean, I don't know. Are they, Travis? <laughs> no. They even trademarked a jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels. So let's let your bulge breathe and get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that manscaped on your waistband <laughs> of your underwear. It's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard of the highway of pleasure town. <laughs> Wow. Oh, man. Can I retroactively turn down the invitation to be on this podcast? <laughs> no, no, it's too late. It's too late. What do you, what do you think about the, the boxers there, Travis? I, I'll tell you right now, um, no BS. I really do enjoy them. The one fault, though, John, on the boxers, and it might steer some people away from them. But let's give an honest, an honest, honest opinion. There. Feel great, comfort. They're probably my favorite boxers I own, except for... They don't have a fly. They don't, and I don't know why they don't have a fly. I thought that was. I mean, to be honest, I don't use flies anyways. When I use the bathroom, I just pull my tr- my drawers down anyways, so it doesn't bother me. You're any. the guy that gets butt naked when he goes in the bathroom. Funny story. Oh no. lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, they they feel great, and that's probably because the microfiber is buttery, soft, and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Jesus Christ, what am I Please reading? don't Walk. use the term buttery <laughs> when you're talking about your ball. Was it buttery and the cucumber combination? <laughs> Are you Walk, looking for... run, and strut. The moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat, man. So, John, how do, you, how do you like them? You know, I like everything about them. They are comfortable. I, I do like the elastic waistband. All I need. And maybe I think I have the older pair because I believe the new pair has yeah, a Yeah, they just released the Boxer 2.0s at home if you guys are looking to buy them. So just giving you a heads up. There's, they have made them better. So if you guys are interested, they're, they're, they are out there now. So Just make sure you use our code ETP20. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. Once the Boxer 2.0s touch your sack, you'll never go back. Thanks, Manscaped. <laughs> Hashtag buttery balls. <laughs> Hashtag buttery cool, or what was it? Buttery soft and breathable cucumber cool. Like, Jesus, man, what am I? I don't even know if like, You think sick. you like butter on your corn on the cob? Imagine <laughs> butter on your balls. Try Manscaped 2.0. There you go. I like it. Are you going to have to re-record all of that because of my interjections? No, no, nope. no. We're going to leave it there. It, it has to be organic, and if 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 it sounds like it's fake, no one's going to use our code anyways. So yeah, it's right it's on. uh it's it is fun though. But have you ever tapped to someone's bo before? Okay. Well, <laughs> oh, man. or has someone tapped to your bo before? Uh, no, I don't even like. I don't even like thinking about this. And I'm going to tell this story, and I got to just try to be as vague as possible. But we had <laughs> don't a guy, hurt any feelings, please. We don't have anybody in our school named um, named um, cucumber Nick. We don't have any named Nick, so I'm going to say we used to call this guy Stinky Nick behind his back, and Stinky Nick was really, really stinky. Really stinky and large and stinky and awful. And rolling it with him was tricky was tricky enough. And one 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 night, stinky <laughs> Nick and I were rolling. <laughs> My balls were particularly buttery this evening. Uh, and and he he got got into mount and one extremely large hot 
awful ball of sweat fell into my mouth. Oh, and it became a multi-sensory. <laughs> it became a multi-sensory thing, and I faked a leg cramp, and I, oh. I had, <laughs> I had to get the hell out. Of Is it because bed. you were having an orgasm? That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I said, I said I have to get up. I came. I mean, I have a cramp. <laughs> I have fed several submissions before from BO alone. Oh my gosh. It's the yeah. worst. Please, 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 please use a mint. Please wash your balls. Please wear Manscaped 2.0 boxer shorts. Please do whatever you can possibly do. Look, if you are the person at your academy who can't identify the stinky person, That's you. it is you. That's you right. You have to wash your asshole. I'm sorry. Truth. You have Truth. to. You this have episode's to. really, really, really I mean, going down the hole. We had right nicknames now. for some of our people. We had mustard ass. We called it one guy mustard ass. Like we had names for him. And yeah. like if like they're pairing up partners and nobody picks you for like <laughs> the, the open rolling or whatever, oh, that's probably yeah. why. Yeah. If people oh, avoid cool. eye contact and they're like they're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the solo drills. I'm fucking <laughs> <laughs> Are any of your guys at your school wearing the rash guard that says "Follow me on OnlyFans"? Yeah, we have one. We have, we have one. He we have a guy. To the show too. We have a guy at our school who who he's the he's the best guy, um, Matt Christensen. He's going to compete in his first tournament next weekend, and he's going to destroy. But he wears a when he wears his OnlyFans rash guard on No Gi Day. He starts the role, you slap bump, and he says, I want to maintain eye contact with you during this entire role. Done. And he's being funny. He's got, like, you know, a demented sense of humor, but. I like it. How many guys. So what, oh, go ahead. Nobody got. I was going to say, so what do you. Speaking of, like, thinking about how smelly a person is, like, what do you think about when you're actually sparring? And at what point in your journey do you feel like you kind of just picked up that second nature of reacting? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because when you yeah. definitely, when you first start, you're thinking. Most of the time, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Yeah, it depends on it depends on who I'm rolling with. If I'm rolling with somebody at my level or or above, I am usually thinking about what I'm working on and my goal is to get to the position that I am working on. So right now I'm working half guard bottom. And so uh regardless of where we start or how it goes, I am working I'm working with people my level or above to get to half guard bottom to work what I'm working on. And then if I'm, if I'm working with somebody who is newer, I try to be a very, very generous role with, with newer, newer people. So, and I think just in general, you know, like I said, I'm not particularly athletic. My knees hurt a lot. My back hurts a lot. And you know, I'm doing fine. I, I love it. And I'm, I'm in and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, getting better all the time but i actually really like giving a position like just offering up a position i am happy to like give you side control i'm happy to give you mount i'm happy to give you my back and then to and then to fight from there i think that that's actually a lot of what my a lot of my game like if somebody mounts me and they go for a classic armbar, I like the work of reversing that and coming up on top. So I'm thinking about that a lot. I am, 
I mentioned I did this private a couple of weeks ago with this four stripe and he was talking about going over the details as we were working the half guard bottom, really developing the sensitivity where you can feel where your training partner's weight is going and getting sensitive enough to kind of feel that so that if I'm in, if I'm in half guard bottom, for example, and you are moving heavy to my left, my right foot is coming out and I'm working to get closed guard. But if you're going to my right, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot and I'm going to shoot for an underhook and try to come up and, and wrestle up from that position. So uh, get in the position that I'm working on, be generous in the role, and then uh, really try to be as, as sensitively connected to the subtle movements of my training partners as possible. Cause as a big guy, I'm like, I'm six feet tall and 227 pounds. So I'm not going to have it with speed and agility. I have to have it with sensitivity and to kind of know what's coming. Somebody's, if somebody's, if I see that somebody's foot is lined up with my knee, I know, I know what's going to happen there. And so I want to be ready for it. And I want to use I want to use their movements to my advantage. And then, and then there are some things I'll just say one other thing about this is, um, have you guys, do you guys work rolling, uh, rolling Kimuras or diving Kimuras at all? We have. Yeah. yeah. Once or twice. So we did a series. We've, our coach Frizzy has uh Mike Frizzy, awesome jits teacher, Brown belt. He has been, he has taught a series on rolling Kimuras two times. And the first time I couldn't get it all, get it at all. A year and a half later, I, I got it and understood it and could execute it while drilling. And then a few weeks ago, I saw it and I went for it and I landed it. Oh, I was nice. So excited. And he was watching and I, I was so stoked. And so, it, a lot, so sometimes it's that as well. So when I'm not, if sometimes if I'm not being thoughtful and something presents itself, I'll surprise myself by going for it yeah it's funny you mentioned that too because we did some baron bolo stuff a couple weeks ago and i'm 5'8 200 pounds 205 uh so i'm a little bit of a stockier guy <clears throat> and i was at at first class i was like man there's no way i'm gonna do baron bolos i just i just there's no way my body's made for a baron bolo right by the end of the second week i was baron boloing right and i've hit it a couple times live in a roll since then and it's the same thing like it happens and i'm on their back and in my head i'm like yeah it's so you know satisfying I mean? it's so and, but satisfying. but on the outside i'm like i was like man that was cool like i can't believe it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like meeting somebody that you're like being like that you're a fanboy for and like trying to play it cool and trying to kind of keep it together yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny when those things happen because I remember the first, the probably the first big moment of uh, a success that I remember till this day was not tapping during a roll against Cody, who was a purple belt at the time. Right, this was a couple of years ago, and I got up and I probably over over <laughs> celebrated, and he probably didn't tap me on purpose. But I got up and I felt like I was like I was like I didn't freaking get tapped to that role you know what i mean yeah. Little i know he was probably working on something that you know wasn't his a game or something <laughs> like that or he was you know texting his wife while he was rolling with me but i didn't yeah. tap that's what i <laughs> i got a call i got a call a couple months ago after class from somebody and they were like jim call me back it's important so i call him back and he goes i passed liam's guard yeah inside control 
and Liam is our black belt. And this was a guy who was like a three stripe white belt at the time. And I was like, okay, um, let's, I'm going to help you out with something. I don't want to burst your bubble, but you did not pass his, you did not pass his, his guard. He let and you. he goes, yeah, he goes, I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. Um, there's no world in which anything has happened between you and Liam that he didn't allow <laughs> to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that kind of gets into like, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be a gloater. I, I definitely do it probably inside. If I get a good moment, I'm super like when I landed that rolling Kimura, I was super psyched, but definitely not going. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, John, you got anything else, man? I know you got a busy schedule. You got to head out. No, not really. I was going to ask, man, how are your uh, singles and doubles? Uh, they are borderline <laughs> non-existent. We don't do a ton of takedowns until recently. And we're doing... I'm going to try to describe this to you and... I hope it I hope it will make sense. So singles singles are singles are okay. We we're working we're working more takedowns these days. They're okay. I don't I don't typically think to go for them. I, I don't really know what the jujitsu community's problem is with, with pulling guard, but I, I'm a guard puller. Are you guys an- oh look at the look on your face. You look so sad and disappointed. I, I like pulling guard too. The right. reason I ask about the singles and doubles is I have so much trouble with them. I don't know if that's a wrestling thing or what. Yeah. I, I've tried to pull guard, but every single time I, it, it happens, I kind of just hand the person my man card and then just continue the roll and then hopefully yeah. I earn it back by the end of it. I, I don't know what the name is for this, but what we're doing right now, if you can imagine this, you're standing up. My right hand has the collar tie. My left hand gets an un- I go 45 degrees off and I get and I get an overhook onto the shoulder. So I'm holding the head and the shoulder down. Mm-hmm. Uh, my training partner pops up. I go to my knee and I go for the single driving up. If I can find a video for you guys to share, because I know it's, it's a podcast and it's like super confusing. So I'm right. finding that that version of a single leg actually works we have a guy in our school who's an fbi agent who actually used something similar to it to arrest somebody a couple weeks ago so yeah they're tough what's that i said no big deal mbd fbi agent taking someone down with some jujitsu stuff i know it's pretty awesome it's pretty great john you got anything else though man nope Mm -mm. all right hey jim i just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show today it sounds like my son is about to yeah have a fist fight with my wife in the in the house so great to be with you guys stoked to be asked to be on this podcast wicked fun you guys no i i had a blast man if we had more time i'm sure we could go on for freaking hours this could be literally a two three hour podcast i feel like so awesome but if you had one piece of advice for a brand new white belt what would it be God bless America. If I had one, if I had one piece of advice, it would be this. Don't expect, don't try to remember anything and don't pretend like you know anything. Think of this as learning a language. If you were trying to learn French, you would not expect to be fluent in French after a couple months of doing it. You have to allow 
jujitsu to happen to you. And if you keep, if you keep doing it, you will become fluent and there's just no way to win at jujitsu before you know jujitsu. And if you're brand new, you just don't know it and it's humbling. So stay with it and you will learn it. Great, great piece of advice. I'm going to have to start using that analogy of learning a language. I actually really like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, but Jim, if people want to follow you, why yeah, they can go all to, that stuff um, out there. You can go to at my white belt on Instagram, or you can visit mywhitebelt.com. Uh, the podcast is called My White Belt, and it's everywhere Imagine wherever that. you listen to fine podcasts such as such as this one. So, um, again, you guys like instantly kindred spirits with you guys. Like this was like the easiest conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I say like we have questions that we, we, we have just in case, yeah. uh, some people need them more than others, but this is, this was supremely organic and I, I had a blast you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. You bet. My absolute pleasure. John. I wanted to say, uh, your podcast sounds great. The audio was fantastic when I listened to it today at oh, work. Thanks, so man. you guys should go check it out. It's really good. Yeah, definitely. I've listened to, I think, like three or four episodes of it. So usually I listen to it on the car ride when I'm like taking my kid to school. So, cool. But, uh, but hey, if you guys uh, want to follow Jim, that's everything. My white belt everywhere. Uh, be sure to follow us, uh, Elbows Tight on YouTube. Elbows tight.com, elbows tight pod. Yep, that's right. Make sure <laughs> it's a it's an extremely important concept to remember. So uh it's easy to remember if you want to find us everywhere. It's elbows tight everywhere. So thank you guys so much for listening at home and watching. And uh remember, no oil checks here. Oops. That's right, guys. Thank you. Peace. Hashtag buttery balls. <laughs> <laughs>